On this episode of A State of Control, we talk about the impact of software development in the AV industry. It's really not an easy topic uh, when it comes down to it. There's a lot that goes into it, and you'll hear all of those details next on A State of Control. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Extron, industry-leading technology backed by world-class support. A State of Control. A State of Control, Episode 103, Embedded Developer. Welcome to A State of Control, an aviation podcast that highlights the control programming and automation aspects of the audiovisual industry. My name is Steve Greenblatt. I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. So on today's show, we're going to talk about a topic that we've really been alluding to over the past few episodes, and, and we've been kind of getting to this point of defining what is an AV software developer, and, and that's really what we're going to talk about and, and how that is correlates to what we didn't know as is a traditional AV programmer. Uh, with me to discuss that are two guests that are new to the show and uh, have a lot that I know they could offer to the conversation. And before we get to them, I'd like to say hello to the guy I got to see in person and spend some time with in Barcelona and was quite impressed with his Spanish. Hey, Rich, how are you? I'm doing good. Mellow West Coast greetings. Yes, from Barcelona. Uh, no, it was good to see you, man. It was yeah, far was. too long, and the fact that we had to travel thousands and thousands of miles to do it, it was all worth it. It was great to it see you, the crew. Um, you know, I got a chance to speak with you and actually, you know, kind of get an interview in with you and congratulate you on a whole lot of things that you've been doing. So I uh, couldn't be prouder of my partner and being able to share some space with you the whole time. Thanks. So. I appreciate that. Same here. It's, it was really great. And if you do listen to our last show and you get to see the video, we were in quite a tight quarter. <laughs> to uh to record uh in the uh influencer lounge at ISE so that was uh it was fun in in many levels. Uh so we'll move on to uh introduce our guests today and uh the first one is somebody that got to know uh when he was more on the client side um and we we spent a lot of time uh, working on some projects together. Uh he is now the CTO, the Chief Tech Technology Officer at Level 3 and his name is Fred Lauks. Welcome, Fred. Hey, thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. And uh, last but not least, uh, another uh, person who I got to know uh, over the past couple of years going to different events, and he's a fellow business owner of an independent programming company and uh, uh, an advocate of AV software development, and he is Neil Silver, and he's from LCD. Welcome, Neil. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for the welcome. Thanks for the invitation to take part today. Thanks for being with us. So, um, you know, we, we tend to talk about programming in AV and it has a lot of different meanings and a lot of different terms. And, you know, it, it, back in the day, the programmer was the guy with the laptop and, or the gal with the, the laptop and they, and they were the ones that had to do everything that had to do with a laptop. And, uh, and, and that's usually how you got to move forward 
in the role of programming because you knew how to work a computer the best. And, and I'm talking many years ago, uh, but it, you know that's really where it all began. And we, we talk about audio programming and control programming and device configuration. And there's so many different ways that we could talk about programming. But today we're going to kind of take it to the next level. We're going to talk about where, where does the term software development live in the AV space and, and how is that correlated to what we know as an AV programmer? So Rich, um, I'll let you take the first crack at it. Are we ready to define a new term in, in this industry? And is, is have we gotten to a point where the industry is ready to think of programmers as software developers? I think we're on the cusp. Um, I think that as, without too sore of a point, as devices become available coming out of, you know, the endless supply chain issues, um, the ability to integrate more traditional programming languages um, will start to accelerate the interoperability, interchangeability of developer at that point. Um, we're still dealing with a whole lot of purpose-built devices. Um, I think that when we went into this whole virtualization move that we had to, um, it pushed a lot of things to the forefront where all of a sudden it became a matter of the tools that you've had because we were constrained by hardware and by chipsets and uh, you know by walled gardens um, by necessity had to get opened up. And so I think that uh, not yet, um, soon i think that there is a because it's being driven from the client side there's a little bit more openness to um, more established languages being part of the ecosystem uh, i think that a lot of the manufacturers and a lot of the integrators got caught a little unaware um, that this shift was going to happen so quickly or could happen so quickly because we we're just talking about, you know, it's always been, we sell the box, the box gets connected to devices, the guy with the, or the gal with the laptop shows in, they sit there on a paint bucket and they tap away for several hours and then they go, okay, now you can have your conference. Um, it's, it's moved. I mean, even the fact that I was, you know, we've had this conversation before, the fact that corporate IT now allows for remote access, you know, three years ago. You know, we would always have the fight and we, we, we even did an episode on how the heck do we deal with uh, hardened systems, you know, and it was absolutely a no go. Right. IT managers like, nope, never not going to happen. Never going to. Now you're like, hey, I need access. They're like, give me 10 minutes. And you're like, you know, this is the best thing ever. But because it allows us to open up access to hardened systems it is going to ease a little bit about the use of developers because it allows for a collaboration. And before AV systems programming was, was almost a solitary um, pursuit just because of the nature of the software that was being used. There wasn't a whole lot of ability to open up a repository and have collaborative efforts being taken with the code. It was just the, the tools that we were given. Now you do have the ability to go ahead and parcel pieces off or work almost simultaneously on a piece and, you know, with repositories and being able to pull and push. And, and you know, I mean, all of the language that's been in common software development for the past 20 years is now working its way into AV programming. So it's coming. Um, it's a lot closer 
than it was if you asked me three years ago. Um, I think it got accelerated. I think we talked about it several years ago that, you know, we, we see it as an inevitability, but there needed to be something to cause that paradigm shift. And, you know, of course, it took the world shutting down to do it. But, you know, I think that wound up being a, a, a tipping point that we are seeing it because there are other software suites that are coming out that are saying, look, we'll do some of kind of the heavy grunt work of the stuff, you know, you don't necessarily have to worry about like getting devices and getting UIs pushed out to devices and everything else. Now it allows for um, developers to come in and say, okay, now we can bring special sauce to the equation. We can bring something that's special other than just making the channel go up and down on a cable box. So Fred, I, in the time that I know you, you like to push the envelope and you also kind of have a bit of a, a visionary uh, view on things. So uh, what what is it going to take for us to to get to the point where we're we're really considering software development in in the AV space and and kind of what does that look like from from your perspective? Wow. Um, well, I'll say first off that I am in desperate need of a new term here. So I, I very much would love to end this conversation with yes, we are we are going to dub a new term and then here's the definition for it and we'll go put it on Urban Dictionary. Uh, what I'd love to see is this being driven from the customer side. And I think that's inevitably where it has to start, especially in the big enterprises. That's that's where it's going to happen. Uh, oftentimes, being in a commercial integration business, right, my customers tend to be AV people uh, who now report into IT organizations. I was one of those people, right? Worked at a large IT firm or a large, uh, a large enterprise within an IT organization responsible for conference rooms, very, very narrow, very focused on that one thing. And the first problem that I experienced, and this is one of the things that brought Steve and I together early on was, oh my gosh, I have 3000 spaces and I'm one person. How are we gonna do, do this? Not, not just the deployment problems, right? But, but the control and management and monitoring and configuration of devices and all of that stuff, uh, it's, it's an absolute nightmare scenario to try and deal with AV at massive scale. And so this is where tools that are have been in modern programming, modern software development, right, um, cloud-native concepts are so powerful. Right? And that's what I found in the AV space, in, the, in the, uh, the IT space as the customer is, I have this big problem. How do I manage all this stuff at rapid scale? How do I iterate? Because I can't just push that one control system program out once and never touch it again, right? I'm going to gotta push features and bug, you know, patches monthly, by, you know, every other month. Uh, it's a constant thing. And are you talking about hundreds or thousands of spaces? It's very, very complex to do that. So it's a lot easier when you're dealing with cloud-native tools, right? Containers, pure software, container orchestration, those types of things. It's a superpower. So what's it going to take? Yeesh, it's going to take customers uh, asking for it, I think, is a big part of it. Um, it's going to take integrators asking for it, you know, uh, and independent programming houses, right? As the last mile of system delivery, we have to be asking for it because at the end of the day, most manufacturers still don't deliver on a usable API or interface, much less any kind of actual SDKs that they're publishing to interact with their solutions. It's very rare still. And that actually drives a lot of specification at level three. How manageable was this device? Can I 
declare the configuration state because I don't want to deal with this for loop on every setting and try to, you know, force config state and manage all of that, that variability. I just want to push a config file, right? Um, those types of things are really impacting the, the decision-making process for me and where the value comes in in a sort of a true software development mindset. The problems get bigger, scale gets bigger, everything else sort of has to shift, right? And it drives a ton of conversation. It drives a ton of innovation within the manufacturer space. And in my mind, that's kind of the big thing still holding all this back personally is the walled gardens, right? As, uh, as Rich mentioned earlier, right? That's not gone, right? As a matter of fact, that's the status quo for most systems integrators in the world. And it will be for some time because they've never had to do anything different than that. This is a muscle and it doesn't get flexed overnight. The skills don't get built overnight. You don't even have the same communication channels, the same publications you're reading, the same podcasts you're listening to. The whole world is different when you start talking about being a software developer, managing the SDLC, right? And, and in general, working in sort of this cloud native modern software space. So I think there's a ton of it. This is a fundamental paradigm shift and I'm excited to be pushing it and to do everything I can to, to participate in that process. But I think there's a lot of mountains to move personally uh, to, to make this status quo, right? To move to the open source era of AV. Are you kidding me? We're not even close to that, right? We are very much entrenched in the wall gardens phase of uh, of AV, most certainly. So that'd be my take. Well, Neil, I'll let you uh, join in as somebody, you know, kind of like Fred said, um, we, we pay, a lot of solutions are driven by pain points and, and a lot of them are also driven by clients that have the, the desire for something. Um, well, as as somebody who is entering the space and and has identified opportunities here, what what what? How can can you speak a little bit to where you see uh, this and 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 what what it, what does the pivot look like? I guess. Yeah. So just it was really interesting. Just in in Fred's kind of comments there, we already kind of got off the software development piece on a little bit to the kind of DevOps piece. You know how not not even the tools we're using to build the software, the tools that we're using to distribute the code and get it out onto the deploy it out onto the boxes. And that's another whole area where the the modern tools open up a whole new kind of world to us and the skills need to be built, like Fred says, that those skills aren't just are just not out there. And also we still have the walled gardens even on that side of things. So so we can't necessarily use them. And so some of these things, even on the DevOps side, we have to do some software development to build some of those tools. Um, so there's lots of stepping stones bef before we before we do get there. I think it's interesting that one of the one of the things that is pushing it, and where the clients are starting to make that request, is around security, um, because we've got so many devices that are still controlled with, you know non-proprietary uh, you know tcp connections raw tcp connections telnet connections in our industry and client it departments you know they they understand that they don't want that anywhere near their stuff um so so as soon as we get into more um best practice security protocols devices talking to each other with certificates we have to be in the modern tool set otherwise you know 
And you can imagine the integrator within a business going to his boss and saying, well, yeah, we can implement this, but it'll take us a couple of months to write the security protocols to make it work. It's it's not going to happen. So I think that is the one area already where client IT departments are really saying, they're not saying you need to use these new tools. What they're saying is we need this security level in terms of how you're you're doing it. And in some of the corporate environments, they're also actually sort of saying, what libraries are you using? What are you using in your code? Because we have uh, an auditing role to verify that the code that's running on our systems, you know, we need to know what it is. So at that point, they're looking for answers. And if, if you tell them, you know, oh, I'm using this proprietary module that, that, that came from a manufacturer or came from a, I don't know where it came from, that's not going to cut it anymore. So I think that's an area where clients are already driving it without using those specific words, without saying, you know, we, we had a lot of stuff over, you know, five, six years ago when these things would come through in tenders from the consultants. You will mod, you will program this system using modern tools, you know, and it, it seemed very false and forced. They didn't really, it didn't seem to really, the reasoning behind it didn't seem kind of valid. Um, but when you've got somebody saying the minimum security level for these device communications will be this, that has an implied um, force. So that's, that's where I, I see the requests are coming all already. Rich, I'll, I'll kind of bring this back to you. And, and uh, you know, there's a lot of old school thinking in the industry, of course. And, and I think that that might be one of the things that we're fighting against. But, but uh, aside from from the clients, because if the clients are driving this, they could also drive the business in a different direction. How, how is a, an industry, can we, can we uh, look to step up our game? Well, I think Neil brought up a great point and I, you know, I, it's, it's something to definitely consider, which is that not only, you know, we've always lived in the world of purpose-driven code, right? We were asked to do X, and basically nothing more than X. Maybe we give you Y. Um, but because, as we said, software is eating the world, everything's completely changed and that, yes, you can provide it to us. However, you also need to certify that you're not going to be the reason why people's credit card numbers are being stolen or, you know, information is, is being accessed. And, you know, you're not the HVAC system plugged in over at a target that wound up being the point of, of failure for a security breach, you know, I mean, that's a real world example of something that happened, uh, you know, which, which, you know, it, until it happened, you'd go, what are the odds? And then you go, those are the odds uh, at that point. I mean, we, you know, we, even our industry was subject to, you know, I want to say late nineties, early two thousands, we were getting DDoS attacks on our processors. I mean, these things were barely on the internet. And we were having to issue warnings that it was just like, hey, you can't just leave this thing hanging out on the internet. <laughs> you know, it's gonna get it's gonna get nailed. And so I think it what it it is requiring is that, you know, and you're seeing it with some integrators, is that they uh and 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 software suite companies, they're getting CSOs, they're getting C-level security officers whose only job is compliance and security and all of these things. So it is becoming more and more of the conversation. And now here's where the delineation happens. Corporate, enterprise, banking, 
health, you know, all of those are, you know, education, all of those are silos of where control system programming works its way in. And there is a large number of integrators and programmers and developers that are out there. But as we saw with the iPad and with mobile, residential comes in on the backside and forces a whole lot of things that if you're in a, a, a commercial-centric or enterprise-centric world, you're going to get waylaid as well because you didn't plan for the fact that these are the people who are actually making the recommendations and the requests, and then it funnels back. In the old days, it used to be a pro-level solution would get distilled down to a consumer solution. That ended years ago. You know, with the advent of of the handheld device, you know, <laughs> we talked about it. It was like, you know, I would get from manufacturers, oh, the touch panel will never go away. People will never use their phone or a tablet to control. I'm like, whatever you say, no problem at all, because, you know, a $10,000 static device is going to always be there instead of a $500 handheld device that, you know, but the other side of the development is that you you do have consumer facing products that are working their way into the enterprise so you also have to from a development standpoint build features that are and we've always talked about this right security is hard because it's designed to be um you know that's the whole point of security it's not to make it convenient but you have to bridge that side with when you're developing how can you layer in that convenience factor? How can you bring in the human element? And again, we get so caught up in bits and bytes and, and what it can do and, and, and kind of the paranoia of what we think it should do, right? You know, what's the programmer's credo? I'm not done. I'm just done for today. Um, you also have to take that hat off from a development standpoint and go, what are the humans who are going to interact with this actually going to need? And, 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 and again, because I, I come from bespoke and I come from dealing with some very interesting personalities, um, you know, you have to factor that in, too, because there's a certain point where you can sit there and adamantly say, no, it's got to be this, it's got to be good, it's gotta, I'm holding the rules, but you have to have that flexibility, too. And so I think that's where the experienced programming community provides a lot of wisdom and insight, because when you're coming in from outside of the industry, um, you know, ignorance is bliss in some respects, but at the same time, you have to be able to respect your audience and respect your clients and programming firms as a whole, I'm not saying all of them, um, in terms of interpersonal relationships, aren't always the best at bridging that gap. And so I think that is where the consultant, the integrator, um, you know, the third party programming community finds, you know, again, like we've always done, right, is being that bridge, that translator, that 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 UN, right, that gets everybody speaking a common language. Um, and so I see that the control systems programmer will move more into and you'll see it, you see software managers, right, you see um, high level manager experience, who's like, I don't understand this new version of this SL, SSL socket. I know what the acronym means, but I have no idea how those things are going to communicate. That's no longer something that I'm best at. What I am best at is being able to bridge the gap between somebody who's providing that specific key to the lock 
and then explaining to everybody, here's the key that goes to the door that's part of the room, that's part of this larger structure that you're within. And so I see that we will move more into, um, you know, software architecture, I think, is what will happen at some point for some code houses and from an integrator. I mean, and that's, you know, for lack of a better word, I, you know, I, I've always said I am not the best coder out there. It's not my strong suit, but I know enough to be able to bridge the gap between the really, really smart guys and the people who are paying for it. And so, you know, programming houses, developers, I mean, I again, for me, it's niches and riches, right? You know, find those opportunities. There's opportunities that are popping up. You just got to be able to spot them. And so, you know, again, we're dealing with programmers and small integration companies and everything else. You know, companies like like Niels, you know, are resources. They're like, hey, look, we're specialists. This is what we do. Fantastic. Let's leverage it. I think that's fun, Rich, because part of, part of what you just said there kind of describes LCD and one of our kind of core values. So we have our old school programmers, we call them embedded developers, and then we have our software developers. And e exactly that, you know, I don't need to understand what's going on down at the security layer for this product because the software development team's dealing with that. But I fundamentally understand the peculiarities of this product in the AV sphere. So yeah, absolutely. Spot on. Brett, I'll let you uh, uh, comment on on this. Is that are we going to find the talent in this industry? Kind of what we were talking about here, or um, do do we kind of change what we know as uh, as programmers to being uh, a different breed? So that's an interesting question. I I think my I would start with traditionally within the integration industry. You know, it tends to be a very trade mindset and a lot of people who come into AV start in the field, start doing, you know, things like that. They're, they're, they work their way up through AV, uh, which is really challenging um, because, you know, I have this, I love the saying, what got you here won't get you there. Uh, and the, sometimes you're going to run into those 80 percenters and, you know, I like to call them, they are going to be able to, you know, they're the ones producing 80% of your revenue and doing 80% of the work in your business. You're going to find those rock stars. They're going to be like, yeah, I started as an install tech and uh, I'm going to move to being a project manager and then a programmer and then a designer. And then I'm going to run the whole operations division and eventually I'm going to be the CEO, right? You're going to run into those people. I know those people, right? We've, we've met them. Um, but that is not everybody. And one of the challenges is the people who set out in their life to be a software developer, who go to school, who put themselves through camps, who uh, learn from the greats, right? Who spend their time embedded in software. There's not really a great path for them to come into the AV industry today. That's not going to be my first pick as a developer, right? I'm going to go work on the modern technologies, right? I'm going to go work on application of AI in software, right? And I'm going to work on platform engineering and other things that are, you know, this is today, right? Cloud native technologies, edge computing, like what, I want to work on that stuff. That stuff's fun. That stuff pays the bills, pays a lot more. Uh, that's where they're going to go. They're not going to go to, I'm going to, you know, make this conference room turn on and, you know, those types of things. It's, that's not how you're going to recruit, I think, the best of the best into the AV industry. So I do think there's a mindset shift that has to happen. Um, when we go to recruit, we're trying to bring the right people into the industry and raise the right people in the industry for those that will rise to that challenge and go learn. I think we need to do a much better job encouraging our programmers to pursue software development skill sets. One of the things I stopped doing within uh, level three as an example is 
um, I use, I use you know, like Pluralsight, right? Like I use IT skills learning platform, right? I'm not asking them to get CTS. <laughs> I'm asking them to go, go through the certification courses and the processes for, you know, uh, Kubernetes certified application developer, right? Like CCAD, like those types of things. Like I, I want you to learn infrastructure and modern cloud approaches and things like that. Cause I don't want your brain to get twisted into the way that we think about programming in the AV industry, right? This embedded piece of software that's built by a third party manufacturer that only works with that stuff. That mindset I think is, that's not what's going to get us there, right? It got us here. It's not what's going to get us there. Uh, so I would start with that, um, as a response there. And I guess I would say, uh, I'm very concerned for the industry at large. Because I think this is coming, you know, Rich said it, it's, it's coming quicker than you think, right? It's later than you think. This is happening quickly, I think. And what I think is going to happen personally is I, this is where you're going to see sort of the cream rise to the top, right? The, the customer requests, especially in meeting spaces, they're going to get more sophisticated. They're going to be more holistic. We're not talking about a room or 10 rooms. We're talking about hundreds of rooms across multiple different environments. We're talking about platform engineering, not just building one app, right? And that is a higher order skill set. That is a higher order uh, level of thinking and programming. And that's not going to be your typical integrator. I worry that the typical integrator without upskilling there is going to turn into, you know, continue to turn into a commodity resource, which is what's happening. Right? A lot of people can program manufacture ABCD stuff. Not very many right now can go do that on containers using native you know, JavaScript and HTML and whatever other resources you might be using to make a better, more flexible experience. So it's going to be interesting to watch. <laughs> Absolutely. No, thank you for that. And that was, that was really good perspective to share. And I think it's a good challenge for the, our audience and for, for the programmers out there who are looking to uh, either pursue a career or lengthen their career to, to, to uh, look, look at some of those resources that you mentioned. So appreciate you sharing that. Um, Neil, I'll uh, kind of bring it back to you and we're, we're getting close to wrapping up, but um, uh, you know, in, in, I know that you have seen this coming and you, you've reacted to it and you, you know, you, you've kind of, as you mentioned, you, you have um, different sets of programmers on your team. Um, how, how do you set them up for, for the future for, so, so that um, you, you feel, can feel like the, this has longevity and that you'll be well positioned for, uh, for, for these changes? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's interesting. When, when Fred was talking about how we recruit good talent into the AV industry, I think Steve and I were both kind of nodding because we've both probably had those conversations. We've had those conversations with developers when they've said, so what, what's your stack? And you give them some names and you give them some names and they, they say, and they start Googling. (laughs) (laughs) And, and that's where, that's the base point we come from. It's, it's a really, it's a difficult conversation to have with a young, um, capable, you know, individual who wants to wants to show kind of how capable they are it's a really difficult conversation to have with them um and it's interesting within the two sides of our team there's definitely i mean i i don't think there's an av programmer out there who doesn't have still a real 
great desire to learn new skills. I think it's kind of goes really through it. You're, you're kind of in the wrong place if you don't have a, that kind of desire to go and learn new things. And we can, what, what we do just now, and interestingly with the developers who've stayed with us, the software developers who've stayed with us for a long time, they're also interested to learn about the AV, AV industry. And at some level, it's amazing, but real software development, you often have quite a detachment from the real stuff that it does. And our AV industry has magic because our code does stuff. It makes things go up and down, you know? And so I wouldn't, in terms of that kind of recruiting and attracting, I think the AV industry still does magical stuff. So that's that's a real kind of bonus that we have, and that doesn't go away. It, we, we were able to do it in better ways, but I think that is a really interesting thing. I, I know I spoke to a number of developers who, um, who when we spoke to them about kind of some of the more integration testing, they said, "Okay, so we can we've got real equipment. We can we can we can make things do stuff, and that's a real that's a really interesting thing. And like any um, somebody in their their career, if you want to be rounded across software development, you you want to work in." A bit in gambling, a bit in gaming, a bit in this, a bit in that. You want to touch all these different things. I think in some way we can attract people in 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 that way. Um, I think one other thing that we've we've not talked about today, we which I just wanted to bring in before we finish up, we talked a little bit about walled gardens, silos in in the embedded kind of world. One thing that's happening, or I see that is happening now, is that because those walled gardens have been opening up and allowing more software development to go on on these boxes. I'm seeing that there's areas where that's going to have to close back down again because some of these embedded devices are suddenly going, oh, what did we, what did we open up? Can we still be compliant within the, you know, the, the laws and the security in the area? What, what can people put on our boxes? And, and also, you know, Having something that is tightly secured down when it comes out of the factory is much easier to control than here you go, do what you want with it. And I think that is something where the manufacturers in the industry are having to evolve and change as well. They're having to deal with that and they're having to they're having to balance those the, the kind of security audit side of things of their business with the ultimate flexibility which a custom AV solution gives you with these tools. So I think that's a really interesting. And one last one I had around, um, we were talking about um, the, the the change in, in clients. I think there's also a change in terms of timescales of projects and a mindset of projects. Because what we've been fantastic in the AV industry and an AV programmer, I, I always, I, I used to coin a phrase of what we do in AV programming as, as rapid prototyping. We can make a lot of stuff happen in a really short space of time. Um, so rapid prototyping, I've always called, called it that turn up on the morning and by the end of the day, we've got it all, got it all working. If we're going to change that round, then the integrators in their kind of project cycle need to be able to give the time for development to go on or for tool sets to be built within the businesses to enable the rapid 
you know, approach to go on later as well. So that's a that's a huge change that needs to come. So I guess I agree with Fred. I think there's a I think there's a lot there's a lot to go on. There's a lot to change um, before it's going to be widely adopted um, across our industry. And we all want it to happen because I think this the AV industry is a creative industry. And with these extra tools, imagine what we could we could be doing. You know, uh, really, I think it's so exciting that if if we get wider adoption, that the things that the AV industry can do um, would almost, can almost catch us up a little bit with where we feel a little bit left behind by some of the commercial, the CI stuff, which we, who are already using these tools. You know. I appreciate that. And I think that's a good place for us to wrap this, but it sounds like this is a conversation that's going to continue. And we, I'd like to invite you guys back in the future because there, there's a lot more to this than we were able to cover today. And, but very, you guys did this very insightfully and gave us a lot to think about. Um, I thank you guys uh, for being part of the show. Um, uh, Fred Lux from level three, uh, how can people get in touch with you and learn more about level three? Absolutely. Well, uh, you can find us at our website. That's level3av.com. And there's plenty to learn there about uh, the slightly different way that we do things uh, when it comes to software. Uh, the other places you can find me on LinkedIn uh, at the uh, slash avfuturist. Uh, lots of challenging content usually coming out of me, especially when I'm feeling salty <laughs> about A, B, or C. So uh, I'd love, to, uh, love for you to connect and, and reach out and ask questions. If you want to hear uh, Fred also on another podcast, he was recently on Integrating Technology, which is uh, done, hosted by our friend uh, Patrick Murray. So check that out as well. Uh, Neil Silver um, from LCD, uh, thanks for being with us. Uh, how can people get in touch with you, learn more about what you're up to? So again, yeah, I'm, you'll, you'll find me on LinkedIn, um, the, the company website, lightingcontrol.co.uk. Uh, you can reach me on there um, and, and you'll, you'll find me on LinkedIn, Neil Silver. Thanks. And hopefully you guys uh, had a good uh, experience this time because we're, we're definitely going to invite you back in the future. Absolutely. Be a pleasure. Rich, another great show. Uh, any last words from you and uh, anything that you wanted to share, how people can get in touch with you and things that you're doing? It's fantastic. Again, I mean, these are why I, I love these shows because it's, you know, I, I, as I constantly say, right, rewind the show hone in on several of the things that, that Fred and Neil said. Like if, if you want to truly work your craft, if you want to build your business, if, you know, again, if, if a brother's got to eat and you want to make more money, rewind and listen to this stuff because these are, these are, these are kernels of knowledge that take you to being relevant. Um, and, and again, and like I said, Neil, I'm stealing embedded programmer. Dude, that that was that that I is flat out. Too. I loved that one again. You know, it's like yeah. you know, it's uh, what is it? You know, good 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 artists borrow, great artists steal, right? <laughs> I have to give the credit to that to one of our software developers. So he 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 named them, and he was really apologetic about it. And we went, no, no, it's it's spot on. Yeah, no, absolutely, and and you know, it is a new lexicon, and you know, I I I appreciate that. You know, our little show can you know, highlight and, and, and bring to the front, you know, these, these fantastic takes on, you know, where the industry is going and, you know, and I learned, I mean, there's, there's a ton that I learned off of it, that it constantly challenges me to rethink, you know, and I'm on the other side of the, 
interests me, right? I mean, I'm I'm one of the few, you know, SUVs in the industry. And so for me, it's like, which half of the brain is going to get slapped around, right? You know, the enterprise side or the resi side. And this is the stuff that I love because it forces me to rethink again and, and like refire those synapses and go, I didn't think about that. That could bite me in the ass. I got to go back and go to my integrators and go, hey, these are the things that we weren't thinking about. <laughs> We've got to get on this. And it, But again, that's value, right? That's the beauty of collaboration. That's value that as a 30 part programmer, or if you're working in a programming house, going to your programming manager, or going to you know the owner of your company and saying, hey, look, they mentioned these things that we really need to be thinking about. And then having the ability to reach out directly to Fred and to Neil and stuff like that. And we appreciate that because again, it's, it's all about, you know, that reach one, teach one still it's, you know, everything that I always fall back to. And so, you know, again, like I said, rewind fast, fast forward past me and my fireside chat, and then just hone in on exactly what they say. And then you'll get actually the good content out of the show. So, and if you want to find uncle Richie for any reason, um, you can find me on the interwebs, uh, you know, type in my name. I'm on LinkedIn, Fragosa Design, uh, at Fragosa on the socials. But as I always say, uh, hopefully the best place that you will find me is here on avnation.tv and our suite of shows that deal with all of our other verticals, including the control systems programming environment um, and supporting our sponsors along the way. Absolutely. Somehow we have to get you the Uncle Richie uh, either uh, moniker on one of these platforms or a hashtag or something. I'm, I'm You know, I'm at that point. Exactly. <laughs> Well, Rich said it also, uh, you know, p- please do visit the website and, and check out the show and all the others There's a lot of great content that uh, AV Nation puts out and we, we support all of them. Uh, for me, you can reach me at Steve Greenblatt on social media, you can reach my company control concepts at controlconcepts.net. Um, I also do another podcast that Rich was recently on and you could hear a very, very uh, detailed journey and fireside chat with rich and that's uh, ask the programmer with my host co-host uh, james king so please uh, if you wouldn't mind check that out L- like to hear what you think and um but but here um for us here at uh, state of control please uh, like and uh review and give us ratings and please share your favorite episode and let us know what you think and let us know you're out there um what what um what are your takeaways from this episode? It'd be great to share, and uh, that would be very helpful for everybody in the community. And until next time, this has been State of Control.